0: All right, verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Today is the first day of the new series. Uh, We're going to cover the first six chapters of the book of Ecclesiastes. Um. intro. Uh, Ecclesiastes is part of the Bible's wisdom literature, so in the Old Testament you have the Torah, you have the historical books, you have the prophets, major and minor, and in the middle of it all, if you're looking in your Old Testament, you have wisdom literature, and that's where you're going to find Ecclesiastes. Now, the word for preacher in Hebrew is the word Koheleth. Let me hear you guys say Koheleth. Um, Some translations say teacher, but it's really more like a philosophy professor, honestly. Uh, In Hebrew, it means someone who gathers people together for the purpose of learning. Now, tradition has it that the teacher is King Solomon. Um, Others think it's a descendant of David, And still others think it's a teacher using a Solomon-like persona as a teaching aid. Now, whatever the case, the key thing to realize is that the teacher is a character in the book who is different from the author of the book. Okay, So you have two voices running inside the head of this one book. Uh, You have the teacher and you have the author. And the teacher is... Solomon or someone like Solomon, and the author is anonymous. Now, let me tell you why we've chosen uh, this book to go through during summer. Uh, First of all, when was the last time you remember going through a book of the Old Testament? Uh, I know from a pulpit standpoint, it's been a very long time, and our church believes in the whole counsel of the Word of God. Now, second. If we teach this book in the right way, it is going to make you very hungry for God. It's going to stir up your hunger for God and, and for his eternity. Now, let me, let me put it this way. Um, my kids, it, it seems like my kids don't really like to eat that much. I don't know if you've seen my kids, I don't know if you've ever had a meal with my kids, but they just don't eat that much, which is weird because they don't think about it like at all, and I can't stop thinking about food. Like I want to eat all the time, so I don't, I don't really understand uh, my kids. Now let's say I'm trying to teach my kids to enjoy really good food. You all with me? So what do I do? Well, you go, uh, Pastor Andrew, that's really easy. You, you take them to the French Laundry in Napa Valley. Amen? You take them to the French la- Laundry. O- honestly, I don't really have, to, I, all, all, really, I can just take them to McDonald's. It's actually the same thing and much cheaper. But the point is, you just give them really good food and you teach them how to eat good food. Ah, that's the first way. But there's also a second way to teach them to eat really good food. Any guesses? You starve them. A little bit cruel, but you know that would be effective, right? So you take them swimming for five hours, no snacks. Just swim laps. Right? Amen? And, and then afterwards, they're, re- they're really hungry. Then you give them really good food, okay? So now th- this, is, this is the plan. In the fall, we're going through the gospel of Mark. And Mark is all about the person of Jesus. That is the really good food. Now, in summer, we're going to starve everyone. Uh, uh, in, this, in the summertime, we're going to get really hungry, And that's why we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, uh, you're probably wondering, like, how does Ecclesiastes make a person hungry for God? Well, I could spend time explaining it to you, but I think I'd rather use that time just reading to you the words, and then you're going to know. You're going to know what I mean once I start reading to you the words. But um, before I do that, let me just set us up. What you're about to read in the very next verse, that's verse number two, is the thesis for the entire book. This is King Solomon who's talking, okay? It's it's King Solomon or someone like him, and he is the wisest man on the planet. You all with me? He's like the wisest man. He's the man that you talk to, that you climb the really high mountain, get to the mountaintop to ask your burning question. He's that guy. Okay, he he has the fame. He's got the fortune and the wisdom to understand it all. And how cool is it that right now you get to hear a TED Talk by King Solomon? And and here in verse 2, Is the thesis of his entire book. All right? Here it is. You all ready? Verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Um, The definition of vanity is the quality of being. Worthless and futile. It it also means, you know, like empty, nothing, vapor. Okay. Another translation says um, uh, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. All is vain. Okay. Let me just, let me just be like, you know, you climb the highest mountain to talk to this guy, to ask your burning, like, what's the meaning? This is it? Are you kidding me? It's like, what? Right? Like, why is this in the Bible? Like, and why are, we, why are we studying this during the summer? This is, this is weird. Um, but that's the thesis of the entire book. Uh, vanity of vanities, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. It's the final conclusion of the teacher. Very, very wise man, and staring a long time into the abyss and the absurdity that is called life. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Now, I want to explain something to you. Every time you hear the words, under the sun, you can write this down. I want you to think three words. This fallen world. Repeat after me, this fallen world. Now, let me explain where the teacher's coming from. Back in the Old Testament, people didn't know if there was an afterlife. They didn't know if this life is all there is, you die and nothing, or if there's something. They didn't know. I mean, people had hints back in there. You had one group thinking one thing and another group thinking another thing. You had an inkling, but they just weren't sure. And so you imagine that they're thinking that this life is all you got. Now, here's the thing. Here's the rub. Here's the rub. In the Bay Area, the average Bay Area person thinks very very similar to this the person you know at work the person you know at school right most people in the bay area believe in what you can see and they'll say like what's true is verifiable science and data and the material world but all that stuff that happens when you die you don't know you don't know so it's better to live for today You've been to a funeral where someone said that, better to live for today. Just focus on the stuff that's right in front of you. So the average person in the Bay Area doesn't think that much about eternity or God or invisible spiritual realities. Now, the moment I see the average person in the Bay Area, who are you thinking? You're thinking about people outside the church. No, 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 no. People inside the church honestly don't think about eternity that much. They're going, look, I got my life right in front of me. I got so much life right in front of me. I'm just thinking about that. Now, here's the teacher saying, listen, if this life is all there is under the sun, this fallen life, and you're just living for this life, I got news for you. Everything is meaningless. Your life is meaningless. Now, listen, a Bay Area person goes, I don't think so. Right, I mean, it's a man, average, average Bay Area, but I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's meaningless. You know, it's, it's kind of like I, I, imagine a Bay Area person would say in response to the Deidre, "Aren't you being just a little bit dark? Aren't you kind of being like a Debbie Downer?" You know, remind me of that character in Alien. You guys see Alien movie? original right remember that one soldier guy all through the movie kept going game over man and just with that voice game over man the whole movie through aren't you kind of being like that guy game over man why are you so dark why are you so down imagine bay area person turning to the teacher what do you see okay i'll bite what do you see? Explain where you're coming from. And the teacher says, verse three here's the problem. Here's the main reason everything, the wisest man on the planet looking at this life says everything is meaningless. Verse three, the main reason. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? There you go. There you have it. Mic drop. That's it. That's the main idea. Vanities of vanities. Life is meaningless. You want to know why it's all in vain? What does a man gain by all the toil which he toils under the sun? What does a woman gain by all the toil which he toils under the sun? In other words, what's the gain? In other words, what do you get out? In other words, what do you got to show for it at the end? In other words, what reward is worth all the pain. Now we got a real conversation between Bay Area person and teacher. We got a real conversation. I think the Bay Area person goes, I don't understand why we need to talk about this. right?" Maybe some of you guys are thinking that right now. This is summer. This is fun. Why do we need to talk about this? Bay Area person says, look, I'm way too busy to have this conversation because I'm, I'm doing this I'm doing that. I got kids to pick up. I got kids to drop off. I'm making this happen at work. I'm putting out this fire. I don't have time to gaze at my navel. This is America. In America, you just go. You don't ask why. You just do. You You don't stop and ask deep why questions. You just get busy in America, right? And then the teacher says, verse 4, Really? 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 Verse 4. A generation goes, and a generation comes. But the earth remains forever. He goes, look, one generation goes, one generation goes, they're really busy, they're really busy. And then another generation comes, they're really busy, they're really busy, they're making stuff happen, changing the world. But you know what? The earth remains the same. The earth remains forever. They sure look busy. You sure look productive. But in the end, it's the same old stuff and nothing has changed. Now, he's going to give three illustrations from nature to illustrate this point. Verse 5 The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. Verse 6 The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. Seven. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Okay, three illustrations with nature. You got the sun. You got the wind. You got the streams. They all look busy. They all look productive. Sun toils across the sky, so busy, so busy. Achieves it, doesn't get to rest. No closure. Next day, doing it all again. Wind looks so busy, right? Blowing, blowing, blowing. It is blowing around circles, blowing around circles. Streams are so busy, but the ocean's never full. You are so busy, but do you ever stop and consider if you're really making a difference? Or, are you just doing busy work? You guys remember when you're in school, remember busy work? Busy work is what the teacher gives you, and you get busy and it looks productive, but really it's accomplishing very, very, very little. Is this just busy work? Now, the Bay Area person at this moment, I imagine, says, okay, 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 you have my attention, okay? I'm going to stop being busy. I'm going to put down my iPhone for just a few moments. You have a point. Make your point. Teacher says, what does a man gain? By all the toil at which he toils under the sun. What do you gain? What is the point? Bay Area person says, I don't think my life is busy work. I don't think my life is busy work. I'm living to achieve my dreams. Amen? I'm living to achieve my dreams. My dream is to have this career, and I want to make a difference. I'm making a difference. I want to be somebody. I want to make something of myself. I have dreams. I mean, don't tell me they're worthless. Verse 8. Now, to, to insert verse 8 in this conversation, it, it's, it kind of appears a little bit rude, but verse 8, all things, here's the teacher going, okay, you know, bear bear person like, I got my dreams. And then verse 8, he was like, you know, all things are full of weariness. In other words, just listening to you and your dreams just makes me all tired, you know, A man cannot utter it. So tired, I'm not going to really tell you all the things I'm thinking. Very person like, that's rude. Teacher says, wait, I'm not done. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. It still wants to see more. Nor is the ear filled with hearing. It still wants to hear more. In other words, in this life, you just never find satisfaction. Is that true? In this life, you just never find satisfaction. Okay, th- let's see if this is really true. Uh, one thing is really cool in our church is we got all different like life people in life stages. We, we, we're intergenerational. Is there any teenagers in the house? No. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to remember. We got a teenager over there. I want you to remember what it was like as a teenager. Now, if I can just have a moment of sheer honesty, tell me what it is you wanted when you were a teenager uh, uh, most of all. The one thing you wanted above everything else, go ahead and shout it out to me. When you were a teenager, what did you want? Retirement. (laughs) Retirement? What a wise, forward-looking teenager. Someone said car. Can you guys resonate with car? Now, I'm going to be really honest and say to you, when I was a teenager, what I wanted most of all was a girlfriend. Of course, I'm the only one in the room, me and Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Air Air Jordans. Air Jordans, car, girlfriend, and then outlier retirement. Chris, what did you want? You want Air Jordans, an amen on the Jordans. Okay, teenagers want Air Jordans, all right? When you're in your 20s, Jason, what do you want? Or or someone else, I'm not going to point out everyone, don't worry. What do you want in your 20s? Tell me. Job, career. I want to go to that school. What else did you want? Okay, now when I was in my 20s, I wanted a wife. I'm looking very sad (laughs) during this morning's sharing. And I also wanted to establish my career. I wanted to finish seminary. Okay, uh, 30s, 40s, what do you want? First thing you want more than other things. What do you want? 30s and 40s, what do you want? Tell me. House, kids. If you have kids, what do you want with your kids? You want happy, successful kids, all right? I know, I know. Okay, right? All right. 50s and 60s, what do you want? Retirement. Jared's ahead of you. Okay. Um, now 60s and 70s, what do you want? You want health and you want grandchildren. Amen. Okay. All right. So, so here's here every life stage, every life stage. It's like if I can have this one thing. Now be happy. Just give me this one thing. And then maybe you get that one thing. Are you happy? For a little bit. And then give it some time. And you need something else. Right? The eye is not satisfied with seeing. It's always striving and toiling, not being happy. Striving, toiling, wanting more. You're like that hamster in that wheel, just like, you know, just kind of, you know, you just, and it's always the same desire that's never satisfied. Okay, verse 9, what has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Verse 10, is there a thing of which it is said, see, This is new. It's already been in the ages before us. Okay, the the teacher is like, the teacher is like, man, listen, history is going nowhere. You ever hear the expression, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Every generation says, we're going to change the world. And every generation says, I got this dream, but what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. All right, um, let me break this down, give you an example. Um, Let's just take the world of parenting, all the parents in the room. Now, every teenager says, when they're a teenager, they always say the same thing, which is, when I grow up, I'll never do to my kids what my parents did to me. Amen. Parents, you've heard that before, right? And maybe parents, you've said that before. And then you grew up, and then you had kids, and then despite your best efforts, you're probably a lot more like your parents than you care to admit. Isn't that true? Is that true? One generation always thinks they know better than their parents. So one generation spanks, and the other generation is like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And so they kind of, what's the word? They kind of coddle. And then the next generation is like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And maybe they go back to spanking. Parenting just keeps repeating itself. There's nothing new under the sun. All right, now let me give you another example. This is more serious. But I think to to match the the, the voice of the the author, we should probably go there. We've been fighting to empower the poor for a very long time in human history. And yet, poverty has always been with us. And poverty will remain long after we are gone. Let's take this even deeper. Slavery that was abolished by Lincoln is over, right? Right? Well, 37% of the male prison population is black. So there's still deep systemic racism. But as for the practice of slavery, it still exists. It's just taken a different form. Sex trafficking is still slavery. And it happens, you know, oh yeah, out there, no, no, no. It happens in the United States. It happens in Oakland. And we like to think, oh, we're enlightened. We know better. Our generation knows better. I don't, that's just not true. Same old people doing shameful things. Okay, now the teacher's like, okay, I got one more argument for you to consider One more argument for you to consider. Bay Area person, yeah? You said you want to achieve in this life, right? Right. You want to make a difference, right? Right. You want to be somebody, right? Right. Verse 11. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. He goes, there's no remembrance of former things, in other words, let's just be honest. You are going to be forgotten. You will be forgotten. Uh, when the Warriors did not win the championship, a lot of people in the Bay Area were were sad, more than sad. They were depressed. They were crushed. Right? Anyone here care to? To admit that they were feeling kind of crushed. Thank you, brother. Um, I was feeling pretty crushed. I mean, the way that KD and Thompson went down, it was just really sad. And you're listening to the radio. Is the dynasty over? You know, and it's a big deal. If you're in the Bay Area, the Warriors going down is a big, big, big deal. And the teacher, the teacher, then not me, the teacher, the teacher would say, honestly. If they won, if they didn't win, what difference would that make for human history? Like, does that really matter? And, 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 then, and then people would say, well, it does matter. Like, we would always remember it. Would you, would you really remember it 40 years from now? Yes. Would you really remember it like 400 for years from now? Would basketball still be around in 400 years? All right, here. Let me give you another example. How many of you remember your dad? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Some of you are like, "Yeah, my dad's like right over there. (laughs) I remember him. Yeah, hey, dad." Okay, okay. Right. Cool. Okay. How many of you raise your hand? Remember your grandfather? You you can you can remember a story of your grandfather. All right. That's like more than half. That's pretty good. Okay. Now. Now, I met my grandfather one time. This is my dad's dad. Uh, I met him in Taiwan. Really cool story. He was a famous herbalist. And so, like, uh, people in the region would would travel to long distance to come and get treated by him. And so he kind of put his village on the map. And so since he did that, they made him the mayor. And the mayor had this privilege of riding a horse to work Every day, back and forth, and that was my grandpa. And I think that's really cool. I've been waiting to tell that story for a long time, and there it is. Now, you, now the teacher says, "Hey, that's great. You remember him? I, I remember him." And teacher goes, "Do you remember like his dad?" I'm like, I don't have a clue. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, "Teacher, I, I do know because I took the twenty three andme test." that someone, one of my ancestors, is like Indonesian. But that's all I know. So, I have no idea who is who or one thing they did starting in the fourth generation. Teachers like, look, let's be honest. If this life is all there is. You will be forgotten. You want to be somebody? Okay, maybe you make it. Maybe you become somebody. You're a big deal. You're an innovator in the field. Cool. Truth is, give it some more time. Give it three generations. You will be forgotten. Teacher says, what do people have to gain by living this life? What is the point? What is the point? What is the point? point? Okay, now, at this point in the conversation, I think the Bay Area person is getting mad. Are, are you with me? Are you with me? I think the Bay Area person at this point would be like, look, you wanted me to stop what I was doing and listen to you, so I stopped. And then you would assault me with this like, dark, pessimistic, hopeless garbage you're trying to get me depressed and mopey. Everything is meaningless. Oh, we're all going to die. Is that how you want me to live my life? That's no way to live life. And here's the author. Uh, the author, not the the author saying, look, no, no, no. I, I'm not trying to get you to be all mopey and stuff. I'm just trying to get you to think. And he turns to the Bay Area: look, look, this whole thing. I've just been trying to get you to think. And then he turns to people in the church who who live for this life and don't really think that much about eternity. He's like, look, I'm just trying to get you to think. If you're really living this life like this life is all there is, and you're so focused on the next, you know, this life, my life, what's going on here? You're going to be bitterly, bitterly disappointed in the end. I'm just trying to get you to think it through. Now, this book is meant to stir you with very deep questions. But you know something? This book doesn't provide you the answer. This book is meant to disturb you with honest, piercing questions. But you have to go to the rest of the Bible to find the answers. And the rest of the Bible says that there is one who is coming. And if this book is the question, then this person who is coming is the answer. Prophets in the Old Testament have predicted that he will come. And if you stare into the abyss and the absurdity of life and makes you hungry, hungry for this person, and then, and then he came, God's son came, they called him Christ. The teacher said, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And then one day there was something entirely new. A perfect man with no sin, God's very own son, came down to earth. Someone new unlike anyone before him. The teacher said, you know, history just keeps on repeating itself. Same old people, same old human condition. And Christ, Christ gave us the promise that one day... He would bring heaven down to earth and everything broken will be fixed and everything sad will come true, and there'll be new people with new hearts and in fact, the new is breaking into people now in this time. The teacher said, what's the point? What is the gain? Everything you've done will be forgotten and Christ said that he's coming back with his angels, in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what they've done. In other words, you won't be forgotten. Christ remembers. He remembers every good deed done. He remembers the homeless man you took time to feed. He remembers every kind word you said to that person who is so hard to love. He remembers every project at work that you did in his name to make the world a better place. Christ remembers everything that was done by his grace. He remembers and there's an eternal reward. Francis Chan once said that most people spend a lot of time thinking about their last 10 years of life. And other people spend a lot of time thinking about the next 10 years of life. But if Christ is Christ and eternity is real, then shouldn't we be spending a lot of time thinking about the next 10 million years of life in eternity? C.T. Studd wrote this poem, Tis one life, it'll soon pass. Only what is done for Jesus will last. During this series, our prayer for you is that you will stop what you're doing and think about your life. You think about priorities, you think about values, you think about what's really important now and how will that measure with the passing of time. Is Christ the number one priority of your life? and if not then then what is and how does that measure compared to christ and his eternity during summer we want everyone to stop and think just stop and think pray with me father i want to dedicate this series and this summertime, I pray that your people in our church would be able to grab moments to just stop what they're doing, stop being so busy, sit down and think. I pray that you would have your way with our priorities. I pray that you would have your way with 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 matters of the heart and what we desire. And church, right now, can I just ask you to uh, take one or two hands and just place them over your heart? Would you just do that? Father, I want to pray for this heart. I want to pray for what it feels like matters, what it prioritizes, what it values, what it desires, what it wants. I know that when you call your people, you don't just call them to behaviors. You call them to dream and to want things after you. Would you change our desires? Would you change our passions? Would you change the thing that we really, really, really want more than anything? This summer, I pray, Father, that we would stop and think.